Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. second about I toyed for a second about playing this this morning and uh but I decided not to. So I'll go back to this. Yeah. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting close. The governor of the state of New York? Are you shitting me, man? I mean, seriously. And what this reminds me of is, you know, you see movies and you read books about, you know, growing up in the company town at the turn of the century when the major employer they own the newspaper they own the store right they employed you it was their way and there was no other way that's what this reminds me of (laughs) except you know the company store is Amazon. It's the New York Times. That's a company newspaper. And you got guys like Andrew Cuomo. Uh, the, la- the latest thing, story from the Wall Street Journal, is that his staff manipulated data, a report that was going to be put out in order to minimize the definition of what was somebody who died of COVID in a nursing home, right? Not from, in and from nursing homes, which would would have been more complete data. They were in nursing homes, they caught it, but ultimately they they died in the hospital. And what the governor's aides went and did was they fucked with the report. Um, I'm going to kill the music because I'm pissed. Uh, They went and they killed the report. Now, let me tell you what this is. This is quintessential politics, okay? This is how the fuck you do it. You send your little fucking minions around and they and they play these bullshit fucking games, right? Now, you you've heard you've heard these games before, right? We're no we're no stranger to these in American history. And I want to say this to the television audience. I made my mistakes. But in all of my years of public life, I have never profited, never profited from public service. I've earned every cent. And in all of my years of public life, I have never obstructed justice. And I think, too, that I can say that in my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. 
I've earned everything I've got. In case you don't know, that was Dick Nixon. This is him, I don't know how long later, resigning the office of the presidency. Shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Vice President Ford will be sworn in as president at that hour in this office. Now again, that the first part is just Nixon lying his ass off. All right? Here's another here's another awesome version. My life is baseball. Uh, I hope to get back into baseball as soon as I possibly can. This is Pete Rose lying his ass off. I'm uh, looking forward to that. Uh, matter of fact, it's, I'm, I've never looked forward to a birthday like I'm looking forward to my new daughter's birthday because two days after that is when I can uh, apply for reinstatement. Does anyone have any questions? Mr. Rose, the baseball commissioner this morning said, quote, I concluded that he bet on baseball. Yet you stand there now and say you didn't, but that you think the punishment is fair. How do all those things die? Well, regardless of what the commissioner said today, uh, I did not bet on baseball. Uh, that's all I can say. I bet on my team every night. Okay. Okay. I didn't. I didn't bet on my team four nights a week, so I wasn't sending a single out to the you, team. You, I'm not going to use my closer on Friday night or Saturday night. You, I mean, you, that's much, and I was wrong. Okay. I was but wrong. you realize you realize how you realize how strange this is. Now you're you're telling me more than we thought. In other words, well, you, no, no, our, our roles are reversed here. If you follow the Dow report, I mean that's what uh, that's what uh, Paul Jansen said, and he was absolutely right. But wow. did you I bet on them every my, night? I mean, I'm, what's that? You bet on the Reds every night. Yeah, I bet. I bet on the Reds. I bet on my team to win uh, every night because I love my team. I believe in my team. I'll begin my questioning. On- now this is um, I want to say eight, seven or eight tobacco executives lying about nicotine in public under oath. Matter of uh, whether or not nicotine is addictive. Let me ask you first. I'd like to just go down the row. Uh, whether each of you believe uh, that nicotine is not addictive. I heard virtually all of you touch on it. And just yes or no. Do you believe nicotine is not addictive? I believe nicotine is not addictive, yes. Mr. Johnson. Uh, Congressman, cigarettes and nicotine clearly do not meet the classic definitions of addiction. There is no intoxication. We'll, we'll take that as a no. And again, time is short. If you could just... I think each of you believe nicotine is not addictive. We just would like to have this for the record. I don't believe that nicotine or our products are addictive. I believe nicotine is not addictive. I believe that nicotine is not addictive. I believe that nicotine is not addictive. And I, too, believe that nicotine is not addictive. Now, I have to go back to work on my state of the union speech. Now, this is, the, uh, this is in my opinion, the all-timer. This is what Governor Cuomo's doing, okay? Uh, I don't know if you saw his emotional, you know, his emotional um, press conference the other day where he says he didn't mean to do anything wrong, right? If you believe that, I have some oceanfront property in Iowa that I need you to take a look at. Okay, you don't even need to take a look at it. It's so good, I'll sell it to you for cheap. And uh, if you just contact me over the internet, I'll send you some pictures of it. That's how good it is. All right. And so this is Bill Clinton at the White House, right? 
And he's going to straight up lie to the American people. And he's going to pound. The best part is him pounding the podium for emphasis relative to this lie. But this is how we do it. And so and so Andrew Cuomo is going down a path, right, that a lot of people have gone down. And I worked on it until pretty late last night. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. Oh, my God, thank you. So, um, so you're watching this shit play out. But what's interesting is that you're watching it play out under the protective services of the New York Times, the Washington Post, right? And just about every major news outwork in the United States. You see people holding up signs saying, you killed my mother. But we're not... Hey, we're not going to get into it. So I want to play, I want to play uh, an interview with the former New York Times uh, reporter that happens uh, earlier today. Uh, Bill Hemmer from Fox is is doing the interviewing, and so take a listen to this. Bombshell report now showing the top aides for the Governor Cuomo in New York forced the state health department to alter the way it counted COVID deaths of nursing home residents. Now, just know this, know this. I don't know what that motorboat sound is, but it's pissing me off. I'll fix it. But just know this, that, that this, is what, um, this is what politicians do with reports when you don't like what's going to come out in the report. The first thing you try to do is you try to get to the people that are going to publish the report and you get them to get their exacto knife out, which is what happened here, right? And so the report will look more in your favor. Or the next thing you do is what the Secretary of Navy did when the Marine Corps' ground combat integration study said, right, the best women in the study performed, right, on a par with the lowest 5% of the males. And so what Secretary of the Navy Mabus did when that study was going to come out, right? And it was, it was like a year-long study. And he assassinated the study. He said it was a bullshit study. People involved in it weren't good, blah, 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 blah. Marine Corps had an agenda, yada, 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 yada. That, and so that's the way politicians do this shit, okay? So you're going to hear, here, here's another chapter, right, in what governs our nation made to lower the official number of nursing home residents who died from COVID by excluding the seniors who died at the hospital. A top advisor to the governor insisting the following. This did not change the conclusion of the report, which was and is that the March 25 order was not a driver of nursing home infections or fatalities. Eric Berenson, former New York Times reporter, author of the new book, The Power Couple. Alex, good morning to you. You've been watching this from your perch. What do you make of it so far? Well, I mean, it's very strange. First of all, it was obvious, you know, last year that uh, that a lot of people had died in, you know, in hospitals who'd been moved there from nursing homes. And I'm not sure why the Cuomo administration fought about it then. Uh, it's also obvious that although we don't know how many people died uh, as a result of infections that they might have gotten from other people who'd been shipped back to these nursing homes, it wasn't a good idea. And other states like Florida 
didn't do it. Uh, what seems to have happened is the governor panicked, Governor Cuomo panicked in March, thought the hospitals were going to be overrun because of bad advice he was getting, and said, we have to ship these people out to make, you know, make way for, for this huge surge. And when the surge fell short of the expectations, I don't know if you remember, he was talking about 140,000 beds, 40,000 ventilators. He didn't change the policy. And so people kept getting sent back from hospitals to nursing homes. And again, we don't know how many deaths that might have caused, but it clearly wasn't a good idea. Yeah, and he was saying that the workers at the nursing homes were the ones who brought the COVID in and not yes. the patients I mean, I who left the hospital. Um, I mean, I think that's true also, but we, but, but that, but that does not absolve him. And then, of course, you know, the cover-up. We all, you know, there's always that line: the cover-up is worse than the crime. Uh, I mean, I think in this case, that's especially true. If he just come out and said, "We did this because I thought it was the right move," I, you know, I may have made a mistake. Here's what the real numbers are. You know, this would have gone away. Instead, the guy had a book he wanted to promote. He wanted to, you know, he, he was really high on his own supply for a lot of last year, and. Uh, and now it's all coming back to haunt. Two, two things, Alex, here. New York Times, I mean, you just mentioned this here. Uh, this is like the fifth paragraph in their big story today. Uh, they write, the extraordinary intervention, which came just as Mr. Cuomo was starting to write a book on his pandemic achievements, was the earliest act yet known in what critics have called a months-long effort by the governor and his aides to obscure the full uh, scope, rather, of nursing home deaths. And then you got a Quinnipiac poll out there. Uh, when people are asked, is it illegal? 24% say yes. Is it unethical but not illegal? It's 51%. What's his fate? Right now, it looks like he's going to fight to hang on. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't make a, uh, a living guessing about what's going to happen to politicians. And uh, so I, I won't guess. I, I will say, uh, you know, I, I do think this is a case where it's, it, it's, it's all piling up for him. And if the New York Times is against you, you know, and you're a liberal in New York State, you may have some problems. Yeah. Alex Berenson, thank That's the game we're playing. And again, under the protection of the American media. Okay, that's the first negative article I've seen of the New York story. Of, of the, that the New York Times has written about that. Um, in the world of upside down life, uh, you can buy Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, on Amazon, but you can't buy certain Dr. Seuss books. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but again, I've said this before, but the nation will go through this until the nation has had enough. And then it will, you know, it will relegate this to the ash heap of history. So, um, but I will tell you this, um, certainly... Certainly very uh, uh, maddening to watch it on a daily basis uh, as the United States, because of technology, has become a company town, right? It's become a company town. Our, the, what we get served up uh, on our national media is, uh, is the stuff of, you know, the, 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 is the liberal agenda of the nation. And uh, so, so it goes. But, uh, yeah, and Governor Cuomo is, uh, I mean, it's disgusting, honestly. It's disgusting. Um, you know, uh, I saw another article that I wanted to mention. Uh, the chef's going to join me here in a few minutes with Greg Lotus. So we're going to talk. Uh, as on Friday, we normally have, uh, uh, it's not as serious as, as the other uh, days of the week. 
And uh, for good reason. It is Friday after all. So I want to <laughs> listen to this story. Uh, headline. Okay. Baltimore high school student fails all but three classes over the course of four years and ranks near the top half of the class. So the story is about this woman whose son, right, uh, her son, her son it ranks 62 in a class of 120. He's got a 0.13 GPA, according to a local report. Tiffany France, the mother of a failing student, thought her son would be receiving his diploma from Augusta Fells Savage Institute of Visual Arts in June. However, she was surprised to discover that he is being sent back to ninth grade to start over. Sent back to ninth grade. He's stressed, and I am too. I told him I'm probably going to start crying. She expressed frustration with the school, asking why her son would have to complete three more years of high school after the school failed him. Her son failed 22 classes and was late or absent 272 days over his first three years of high school. Only one teacher requested a parent-teacher conference, but France said that that didn't happen. Despite this, her son still ranked 62nd in his class out of 120 total students. Amazing, right? She says she has three children. She works three jobs and didn't realize her son was failing until February. Even though he was failing his classes, the school continued to promote him. After failing Spanish 1, Algebra 1, for example, the school still allowed him to take Spanish 2 and Algebra 2. And let me tell you this. This goes on all over the country. So if I could paint for you a picture, right, and, and I see this all the time because it's who I deal with. Young people who grow up in difficult circumstances, right? Not very good parenting. 43%. I would say it's closer to 60% of Marines would describe emotional abuse in their home. Um, the schools, and this is just the quintessential example of, you could, you know, Colleen could fail every class this year. Do you think they're going to hold her back? No, because it might damage the little pumpkin. And because they won't do that, young people aren't forced to, one, take responsibility for their own actions and overcome that adversity. And when you're not, you, you're not challenged to do that, you don't learn that skill of overcoming adversity. And if you don't have that in life, get ready to get your ass kicked, okay? Because that's how life is, right? That's what high school is supposed to teach. They're not supposed to teach you information, they're supposed to get you ready for life. And information might be a part of what we do during the course of the day, but so is physical fitness and so is shop. Okay, so there's a broader mission of, of education, and it is to create solid young people. They are failing miserably, right? And that's today's just an example. Then in, in the most, a lot of the cases I deal with, you know, they, they graduate from high school, they join the military. They're looking for leaders. You know what they find? Not so much. Not so much. 
then they go looking they go to therapy and they get military mental health not very helpful they become hopeless and that's when suicide becomes you know makes the pain go away let me give you a little data i've been working on the last couple of days so i'm trying to footnote right the statistics suicide statistics in the DOD. And um, so I worked on this a lot yesterday. And so I'm just going and researching and researching and researching the size of the DOD, how many suicides there were per year. So that's my statistical challenge. All right. And then it gives, then you'll get a percentage, a rate of suicide, right? So suicides to the force. I can footnote um back to nineteen ninety nine right now. Since nineteen ninety nine, the the amount of suicide and again the force has gotten smaller by about two hundred and by about a quarter million people from between nineteen ninety nine to twenty twenty one. Okay. So the force has shrunk over that time. So, but suicide in 1999, 150 in the entire force, and it was at 1.6 million. The force today is 1.3 million. Suicide is, is so there's 150 in uh, 1999. In the year 2020, it will be over 400. I haven't seen a I haven't seen a final number yet, but it will be over four hundred. That's almost a two hundred percent increase. A hundred and eighty percent increase. Think about that. It's amazing. And that, that, that story of the, 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 the school, that's that's that is typical. Kids are not held accountable because it's too unpleasant. Parents come and they bitch at the teachers. Teachers don't need that. So, look, let's just send them on their merry way. So I wanted to share that, those things with you this morning um, before we were joined by the chef and Greg Lotus. But the Cuomo thing, you watch it, and it's like you're living in this company town. Living in this company town. Nothing to see here. Just keep moving. And, you know, stands up, his award-winning, you know, his Emmy Award-winning press conferences and all that bullshit was exactly that, bullshit. But this is the way you do it as a politician. And let me tell you this. If I were a betting man, I, I, I would bet you that he, would, he will survive this. Yeah, that's what I would bet. If I was a betting man... I would bet that he will survive this. How about that? I mean, look at Bill Clinton. He survived it. Still making a lot of money. Bill Clinton has been able to successfully, right, dodge his Jeffrey Epstein stuff. Go figure that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's what happens when the media likes you. 
in the company town. And that's what we've become. So, um, good morning to you on this Friday, the fifth day of March. Whitney Houston, it is Friday. She sings the national anthem. Good morning to you. And uh, this is dedicated, <laughs> I don't know, to the American people. Good luck. You know, I hope this turns around in the not-too-distant future when you can have more journalism like the McNeil Lear Report, when you have people that will hold people like uh, Andrew Cuomo accountable. And, um, and that right, right can be right, wrong can be wrong. And I don't care who you are. It applies to everybody, whether you're Donald Trump or Andrew Cuomo or Bill Clinton or whoever. So maybe someday, right? Maybe someday.
You're betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think. And you don't say it honestly and bluntly. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. For this campus had prepared him well. <clears throat> I'm very confident that, thank you very much. <clears throat> if this was vodka, it'd be a lot better speech. <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't. We don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago: persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. Alright, time to check the weather. And then uh, Greg Lotus and Kim Holmes will join me. Currently it is uh, cold on the East Coast. Sunny in 38 right now. Hold on, let me refresh this. <laughs> Sometimes I see it. I'm like, that can't be. It is sunny in 38 in uh, Quantico. Uh, sunny in 48. Lower on the East Coast, down in the down on the Carolinas at uh, Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune. 29 Palms. Sunny in 56 right now. Camp Pendleton, sun in 58. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy in 67. Okinawa. Dark cloudy, 62. Darwin, clear, 82 degrees and dark. And uh, in Norway, where it's gotten warmer, it is sunny and 39. So a lot of places that Marines are. A little bit of weather. weather. Um, currently, it is sunny and 54 in the Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area of Southern California. Looking for a high of 68 today. And then 63 tomorrow, 63 on Sunday, 62 on Monday, and rain in 61 on Tuesday. That is a look at your weather. So without further ado, the um, Greg Lotus and... Uh, Kim Holmes join me here on a Friday edition of All Marine Radio. Hi, I'm Colleen McNamara, and you're listening to my dad on All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. Now, when we decided we would we would record this, right? We said one o'clock, and Greg's right on time. And we waited 14 minutes, and then I finally said, "Fuck it, I'm not waiting anymore." And as soon as I hit the music, right, Mister El Perfecto, one o'clock is good with me shows up. Kim Holmes, Kim, how are you? Nice timing. Apologize. 
All right. And then also joining us is Greg Lotus. Greg, what's going on? Oh, I'm, doing, I'm doing great, but you want to start again? <laughs> no. No, we're not starting again. This is like, this is downrange. Are you kidding me? I uh, I don't know if you watch 60 Minutes, but um, they had this thing on about... Are you about... kidding me? No. Yes. Of course I watch for 60 Minutes. All right. Did you see the thing about the missile attack on Al-Assad? Yes. Okay. Did you see the guys that were on there, like, getting emotional? I did. Okay. So people started texting me and emailing me saying, hey, did you see this? And I was like, no. And I, was, I wasn't I was going to watch it or anything, but they didn't tell me anything about it. So the next day I, I get a few of my friends, three of my friends, and I said, hey, uh, hey, let's watch this and we'll talk about it. And we watch it. And I'm like, what in the hell? So... <laughs> So, and you know this to be a fact because you've done radio for long enough. And so, you know, you try to do quality stuff and, you know, nobody even reacts to it. When you do stupid stuff, everybody, they love it. And so we start talking about this stuff, these things that we see, these guys acting all emotional because they got rocket shot at them. I'm not, again, I went there, right? But it's not how we do it. It's not how we do it. You're not a victim. You, USMC, you sign the motherfucking contract, okay? You're there. That's what you do, right? It's, it's, and so we. This is not a surprise. It's not a surprise. No. You're not a victim, okay? And so we go off on this guy. And, and then at the end of it, I say, I can't do this. I can't, I can't put this on. And so I beep like stretches of it, like 60 seconds, 45 seconds. So it's like, and like, well, let me tell you what I really think. Beep! And let me tell you, people loved it. So, you know, Greg, the more it's a shit show, the more people love it. So, well, Kim. Hey, I remember I remember two of our best shows that we did. <laughs> one, one was involving vanilla versus chocolate ice cream. Oh, my God. And the other one was. Crispy versus soft bacon. Oh. The, the bacon one, the bacon went on went for two days. Oh, and it never ended. Yeah, it no, never we're, we're, ended. And then another one was the pole vaulter. Yeah, another pole one was Greg and I got into an argument about a punch that Phil Lamoureux threw when he was a goalie, and that thing went on for years too. I'm not buying the yeah. punch. I'm still not buying the punch. Right? Oh, oh my God! And it would deep. What about the tramplonist? <laughs> you would have to explain to everybody. Nobody knows what's a trampl- what a tramplonist even is. Greg's watching Cana- no, Canadian tramplonist <laughs> one, one night during the Olympics. Yeah, and I didn't understand that there was actually there was an Olympic sport. Like when I think of Olympic sports, I think of like the Greeks like throwing huge rocks or spears or something. And here I'm watching these. <laughs> Two people on a tramp with synchronized trampolinist. So I said, tramplonist. And I said to Mac, I didn't even know there was a word called tramplonist. Yeah. And I said, did you just make that up? And he said, no, no it's a thing. For that shit. And yeah. And so, and so then he says, hey, if you dealt with chronic pain and were up most of the nights, you would learn some of this shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, no, you try to do good stuff. People like this, the stupid stuff the best. The stupid stuff the best. So let's get a weather report. What's uh, how's the weather up there? Nice. What does that mean? Just nice. Like 30, 33 and sunny. 
Thirty uh, five and higher. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Bust it out. Bust out the today, uh, today anyway. There you go. It, it was fifty it was fifty in the fifties on Monday. Whoa. Yep. Whoa. Yeah, people almost <laughs> shot themselves. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm driving around with my window open today for Christ's sakes. There you go. There you go. Oh, that's yeah. a, that's a no brainer. If you went to if you went to Hugo's or Target on Monday, fifty yeah. percent of the people were wearing shorts. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And then and you guys are gonna get snow before the end of the month too. Now that's the best part of it. They're calling yeah, call for a winter storm. <laughs> of course it will. And it'll be wet, hey. shitty snow that'll last a less than a week. Yeah, that's true. And, hey, let me ask you this. Did 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 would Kim, have you ever thought of leaving? Um, I mean, you you worked until you know the last few years of your life, but did you ever yeah. seriously consider uh, leaving the cold of North Dakota and going to someplace warmer? I personally would love to go to Palm Springs. Oh, and I just think that's the best place ever. The weather, it's just beautiful, but. Arizona, Mesa, uh, Beth's got relatives, her favorite niece and husband and grand, uh, great niece and, and nephew live there. And they're wonderful people. I'd love to live there and that near the airport there in Mesa. But in the summertime, you can't beat it here. It's gorgeous here. I love it. Uh, and uh, But the wintertime, I could do without now. <laughs> really but did you, so did you ever seriously consider moving? Uh, I'd get a few sentences out, but then I then I'd get the look. Oh, cause she she a North Dakota girl. Oh yeah, hello, hello. Okay, how about Greg? Would yeah. you do you ever think you would move, Greg? You're a you're a northern guy, and Heather's a, a North Dakota girl. You're a you're a Canadian Ontario guy. That's pretty far north, right? Uh, would you ever vacate the great northern plain that you has been? Uh, you spent your whole life up there. Yeah, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Do you need some Greg. time? Hey, do you need some time to think about it? No. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Greg and I are going to get a place together. <laughs> Right. With a pool. With a pool in Arizona. Yeah. Well, I mean Greg Yeah, that's that's all they that's all they need is two fat guys with their shirts off with <laughs> the whitest skin on earth. Oh yeah. But you'll, hey, you'll, you'll bronze up. We're bronzed to a golden luster. Greg has got I don't know, Greg's got a little some kind of Puerto Rican in him because he's he browns up like a he browns up like he, nothing. He does tan well. Yeah. What <laughs> is that? What that's is my, that? That's my mother's side. That's oh, my mother's the, side on the, the Italian. Italian, yeah. Yeah, you know what? My daughter has the same skin as oh, me and my work. wife always always compliments cuz she tans beautifully. Really? Really? Well, yeah, my there other you go. two my other two boys are brutal. <laughs> <laughs> the Sunburn brothers. The um oh. So you would, so you would consider it. If you could live anywhere that you wanted to, where would you live? Kim, you said Palm Springs, but if yeah. you could pick one place that you wanted to live, where would that be? Me, I, uh, I would. Uh, eat, I think it would be Old Palm Springs. 
the you know the original oh, uh, like the downtown the original part of Palm Springs, yeah, the, uh, the artsy the, downtown part. Yeah, that has the uh, all the uh, '50s style houses. Right. You right. know, Frank Sinatra lived around there, and uh, you know, it's kind of up on on uh, one of the hills overlooking the okay. valley. I wasn't there. looking for that kind of detail, but I I understand what you're saying. So Palm Springs for you, Greg. If you could, if you could live anywhere in the country, uh, where would you live? I, w- I would say that I would have a combination just of something with at least a little bit of seasons. I, I put I spent too much time in a helmet and shoulder pads sweating my nuts off when it was 100 degrees <laughs> down south. So it has to be somewhere near water, uh, like a canal to get to the ocean. Or I like to fish, so I, I want a boat. I'm, basically, my wife says, oh, yeah, absolutely get a boat and, and we'll get a lift or whatever. So we looked like I don't want to go to Florida, but that's on her mind. But... I was thinking something like North Carolina or South Carolina or even like parts of Louisiana, Alabama, places that got water. I love uh, fish, cook it all the time when I was out in New York. I would catch fish and bring them home at least three to four times a week and uh, throw them up. So anything like that. But I I like to have a season. I, I will miss the snow. I will say it, but not shoveling that shit. And sure as shit, this year I, I paid yeah. I, I paid someone for snow removal, and it didn't snow worth a goddamn lick this year. You knew that you knew that was coming, right? Oh fuck! Say, God. Greg, come on, Greg. Have Have you ever been to Charleston, South Carolina? Uh, I haven't been to Charleston, but I've been to several places in South in South Carolina and in uh in Raleigh that's and right on North the water, Carolina. Man. That's supposed to be beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's too humid yeah. for me in the summer. I don't like the humidity shit. Too humid. No, that's why you I have to come live back. on the water. Oh you, you come back I'd to I come back in the summer. I'd come yeah. back here. Yeah, so the so the fall yeah, the fall and the winter. Well that's kind of a Florida thing you got going there, Greg. That uh that's because uh, Florida's pretty much a shithole. Except in the winter. That's the reason yeah. people go. I mean, the summer, come on. It's like a swamp, for God's sakes. They tricked all those fools from New York City into going down there. Right? Yeah. I mean, seriously. You ever been, oh, my God. I, 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 I hadn't spent too much time in Florida, uh, but I did a few months ago. And I was like, this place is a dump. Place yeah, is but stri- you, could get a really, you can get a really good Italian sandwich or Italian food in Florida. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, you could. They've got good delis. There. Well, you could get a, a Lowe's yeah. a lot of places. So, yeah. All right. No, 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 no. Not the, the oh, New York Italians moved. To, they moved to. Yeah, they moved true. to Florida. You get good Jewish food down there too. Hey, yeah. I'll take a, a half corned beef, half pastrami any day. <laughs> there you go. The um, Amen, brother. Amen. You know what? Yeah. I I don't think I will ever ever leave Southern California. I. Uh, well, why would you? Well, I mean, you know, it's a little bit expensive, but I think I I, I have that solved, you know, for the most part. So, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. So, if, if 1310 Canwex, your old job, <laughs> offered you half a mil a year yes. to come back to Grand Forks, you would not come? 
Why would I need to? I could do it electronically from anywhere. I mean, why do I need That's to be in that? That's not what I asked. I, I, listen, I didn't ask you to go all AV, a straight AV on me. I asked you a question. Uh, no, I would. I, I don't think I would. For half a mil? Yeah, no, I wouldn't. And Kim would give you a ride him. every morning. Yeah, I make it more than that going around the nation speaking. Like, what do I, why would I want to take a p- cut and pay and then go up there? Bullshit. Listen. Oh, my God. We're talking to Tony Robbins. Yeah, right. I was just seeing if you were paying attention. Yeah, okay. The green version of Tony Robbins. There you go. If you're if you're pulling in a half, half, a, half a one, I'm taking the next flight to Southern California. And well, I'm hey, let me tell you. Address. Let me tell you. It's going to happen. In the next 24 no, months, I'm going to tell you it's going to happen. I, I believe that. I don't doubt I do believe that. I don't, well, I don't doubt that. Yeah, no, Greg's, Greg can be part of it, and Kim, uh, you can be part of it if you want to do some traveling. But I uh, sure do. I but, sure um, no, I mean, it's Greg. It's what Greg's been doing uh, individually, but I'm going to do it on a bigger scale. Let me just tell you, I, I do this uh, Monday night seminar, and they're, uh, they're mostly women. It's about 40 people, and... You can't believe the reaction um, when you lay out a path for them that takes them to, you know, through all the stuff they've been through. And you, some of the stories are amazing. I mean, we're, you know, I'm a social worker and, you know, I had to bribe a three-year-old girl with ice cream to go pee in a cup so I could get semen, uh, run a semen test because she had been raped. Right. And they're telling these stories and it's like what they live with is whether it be a social worker or, or this. Other. And it's like, uh-huh. but but then they say, but I know that secondary trauma and it's not supposed to impact me. And my head explodes. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you, you can show them, you know, this 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 path and say, hey, you could walk this. You could you could do this. Let me show it to you. And then and we we're now in the last week of it. Um, the next the last week will be next Monday. And so I get a phone call last Tuesday. Hey, we had to figure something out. I said, okay. They're like adamant. We can't stop this. <laughs> I'm like, what? No like, shit. Way like, to go. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it now they understand it. And now they want to go through it either a second time or we need to figure out something. Cause, and I'm like, okay, well, let's, fi- well, let's figure it out because it's, but, and you hear the tone of their voice. And they're so excited, and now they're beginning to help other people. And and Greg knows. I mean, you you go from somebody who's struggling, and now all of a sudden you see them become this person they didn't even think they had in them as they touch the life of somebody else. Yeah. So yeah, Tony Robbins, pff, whatever. Well, there's a there's a there's a couple uh, of uni- there's a couple of universal truths, and one of them I've come to learn uh, from dealing with hundreds and hundreds of, of people and speaking with them, um, that once they trust you, you learn that everybody has a story Oh man! and, and, and what affects each person is totally different. I know there's groups and sections like, uh, domestic violence and sexual abuse and drug. I understand that, but the stories within those subsections are truly, um, things that are horrific and worse than the the worst scary movies, 
but are yep. also the most tri- the most triumphant and better than the best movie that you could think of that has a happy ending. So, um, but the, the amount of work it takes, Mac, that uh, is one thing. And, and if you're open and honest with people about <laughs> that, but the, the other thing, Mac I, and Kim, I think is is uh, for people that have that struggle the most is because they're not true to themselves and they repress things and hide things because they don't want to be judged. And, uh, and, and, and that's only when you could get that out and free yourself that you could start to, to get on that road, in my opinion. Well, I, 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 and here's the thing that I see is they, people, most of the time they go looking for help at some point. And I would tell you that the vast majority of therapy in the country sucks. And and so they think, that, <laughs> yeah, straight up fact. I mean, people go looking for help and they get told to hold on to rocks and they, they, they're more than willing to prescribe meds to you. And at the end yeah. of it, you look at them and say, well, did it help you? And they look at you and they say, no, I do. This presentation is now about seven and a half hours long. I went to therapy for probably two and a half, almost three years. And I just thought the other day, there's not one thing that either one of my therapists told me in the presentation. And I, and I didn't do that by, you know, by, by, by design, you know, I just thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. And they're, they're both guys that I like and, 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 and both Vietnam veterans. But I, I have to tell you that um, I think most therapy doesn't help people. And, and well, you, you know why? You know why, Mac? What? I'll tell you why. Why? Uh, well, I, I told you this. I told a story on your show about going to see a therapist after my ordeal and how this guy could not even begin to understand me. And when you have the majority of people or therapists seeing, you know, hundreds of patients in a week, you don't get a connection and in order for something to happen, whether you have a connection with the, like you're talking about the 40 people that meet on Mondays, you have a connection with them that starts opening up or you have a connection with the guy speaking like yourself that starts to open them up. So I think that the way therapy has been taught and all the schools and everything that they've been doing it the same, the same for years and years and years um, it's it's almost like a racket to them, and they've been pumping out therapists. But where's the personal side of it? Is my point. Well, it's interesting, you know. It, you know, we don't rehearse this stuff, right? And I say, relative to therapy, therapy's a three-legged stool. They've got to get you. You've got to get them, and together you have to make progress. And if one of those legs isn't there, fire their ass. Yeah. Yeah. Get somebody new because it doesn't work with everybody. You've got to, but again, here, what tends to happen though, um, and, and I don't, I can't remember Greg's therapy story, but you know, we go and we walk away, shaking our head going that I'm not getting anything out of this. Fuck it. I'm done. And we quit. That's, I would tell you that that's, I don't have any friends that have enduring relationships with therapists. You know, and 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 my, my friends are mostly middle class, you know, guys, guys who, you know, I've known either growing up or, or, or my military friends. They don't have, you know, long term relationships with therapists. And then I, I know other people that have gone and they tend to go till their insurance benefit maxes out. And they're like, OK, I'm done. Right. And that's that's the way we do therapy. And uh, and, and and I think most people need 
somebody to talk to. And then Greg, that's why Greg has such a profound impact on people, right? And and I know Kim just as a mentor, as an employer. I mean, you talk to his guys and they idolize Kim. They worship him. Why? What, what is Kim Holmes? He's just a great guy in the community. He gives a shit and he will give you his time and the shirt off his back. And I would tell he you. Will he, he will listen. He will listen. Exactly. And that's what absolutely you, you have to listen. Well, if you don't have it, if, if so, if you don't have a serious mental illness, which is bipolar, schizophrenic, personality disorder, yeah. and all that shit, if you don't have that and you're just struggling with life, you need somebody to talk to, somebody who can help you. A guy like Mike Burr, guys who make you believe and tell you you can get through this, and I'll show you how to do this. That's what the majority of people need. But we, but yep. again, what do That's we get? Right. We get medication. And we go meet somebody that we don't relate to, and we quit. And then we might go back, and it happens again. And then we just say, fuck it. We're done. That's the vast majority of people's experience, you know, in uh, in the country, in my opinion. And, and, I, and, again, I'm sure people are well-intentioned and they're trying. But at the end of the day, that doesn't fucking get it done. You've got to help people. And if you ain't yeah. in that business, then stop doing it. So... I'm not. I'm not trying to hate on therapists or anything like that, but good God, no, man. no, not at all, Mac. <laughs> well, Greg, Greg, tell the story about when you when you tell the story about when you went. Well, well, the long and short of it is, I had to explain to this guy about you know working my way up from starting as an undrafted guy and starting with like the, on the third string, like. There's in practice, there's so many reps go around the first team goes, that's like the Tom Brady guys and all the good guys. And then the second team goes the backup quarterback. And then the third team goes with the third string quarterback. So I told them everything, this and that, and that's, it took about 20 minutes to talk about uh, my spiel. And then at the end of it, he said, Okay, so tell me where these strings are on the field. And I said, "What?" And he goes, You're, "You know, you jumped, you, you jumped over the strings. You went from the third string to the first string." And I looked at my wife and I said, "We are fucking leaving now." So that's what happened. God Almighty, that's brutal. Well, come on, that's an easy mistake to make. You grew up in this country and you have no idea what football is. I mean, come on. How'd you find that guy? Who recommended him to you? I, I, I don't remember, Mac. I believe it was someone through the NFL because I was already back in North Dakota. There's uh-huh. only so many. You, you know what I mean? So you, like, so you're back here was... now. Now, so this is a little bit about Greg's life. So had Heather been diagnosed with breast cancer yet? Yeah, yeah, we were finished that a uh, couple a year two after that. So, so we you were, could see Greg's yeah. dealing with a little bit of shit in his life, and then you go, yeah. and this is the experience you have. And wow. I'm, I'm just look. I've given my thing in front of over seven, sixty thousand people in two years, and I and and again, I talk to people all the time. It's what I do now. You know, it's what it's what I, it's what I do. And um, and I'm telling you, that's the, the the average person that I talk to. They do go, they do give it a try, and it 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 
they don't relate. It doesn't work. And so, so I'm not hating on anybody. I'm just, uh, the truth is what it is, right? And if you don't like it, right. I don't give a fuck anymore, right? I don't give a fuck because you, let me tell you, there's you too don't many. have time for that. Well, I mean, it, helping people is too important to deal with yes. somebody's fucking vanity, right? Yeah. If you want to help people, there's all kinds of people that you could talk to that, you know, will help you. And then I get asked, well, so. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even gonna go into. I'm not even gonna go into that. Anyway, let's talk about something happy. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say now. I didn't. Okay, so let me ask you. Let me ask you this: If you were a governor now, COVID cases. I just went to the CDC website. Um, in and on January seventh, there was. Um, give me a second, and I'll tell you. How many cases? Please, no COVID. No COVID, please. No COVID discussion? No, I want to ask you both a question because I had a serious discussion okay. with my wife about this. Uh-uh. When you when you go brush your teeth, okay, <laughs> yes. yeah. do, you, do you put the water on your toothbrush, then the toothpaste, or do you put the toothpaste, then put it under the water? I do it both ways. I do it. I do it water, toothpaste, water. Gotta have a I lot just of water. put the toothpaste on and then throw the a little water on to soften up the toothpaste. And then I go in, work it, and then I turn the electric thing on. You know, one of those R-O-B things. Yeah. I've got to have, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Have, I have to have water on both sides of the sandwich. I got, I got a yeah. pre, pre-water <laughs> and post-water. Because I don't want yeah. dry, I don't want dry toothpaste in my mouth. I don't either. Yeah. yeah. I got you. What do you do? No, I'm a guy that puts it on and then puts it underneath the water, but I kind of turn to the side to make sure all the bristles are covered because there's nothing worse than dry toothpaste in your mouth. Oh, yeah. Well, do you, so you do it like me. Then do you put it under again after you, you go, you go dry, you go yeah. dry, dry toothbrush, toothpaste, yep. water a then second time, right? All right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, come on. Why? What does Heather, no, what does, what does Heather do? Heather, she she uh, puts the toothbrush under the water, then puts toothpaste on and puts it in her mouth. And I'm like, oh. that just seems wrong to me. What are we, barbarians? <laughs> What's next? We're going to eat dirt, too? Yeah, exactly. We're going to cook the dog? Like, what's next in all this chain of events, right? <laughs> now, here's another question. <laughs> have, Kim, have you ever owned a cat? Never. Never? My mom, we had, we had a cat when I was a kid, Sam. Sam. For, actually, the, the first time I ever heard my mom say the F word, she was yelling at the cat. We moved into a new house. My dad was got to the big leagues. We built this custom home. My mom designs it. Central air and central heating. The dog, a dog in the neighborhood, a black lab by the name of Blackie, caught our cat and tried to kill him. Well, the cat didn't want to go outside anymore. So we moved into this new house. And uh, the cat, like, not sure wants to go outside. So unbeknownst to anybody, the cat's pissing down the central air vents, right? And, oh, no. Right. And so my Kathleen turns the heat on that winter. And, oh, my God. It oh, smelled geez. like we were in the inside of a cat's bladder. Right? <laughs> God. And so my mother's like, what in the hell is going on? Is something dead down there? And blah, blah. And so... 
I'm doing my homework one day after school, and she comes around the corner, and I hear my mom say, fuck! And I'm like, what in the hell was that? (laughs) And the worst part was she did not even know how to say the word, right? I mean, there's a way you say, there's a way that you, you know, that you cuss. And it's really painful when, you know, you consider yourself adept at, at profanity, and you hear somebody say, shit! Like, wait, I remember George Agajan doing that in, like, third grade. I said, George, come here. I have to teach you how to say shit, man. You do not know how to say the word shit. So I sat him down at recess, and we <laughs> and we had to be, because it was a Catholic school, we had to be away from everybody. Say shit. Shit. No, George, shit. And so, yeah, my mom, our cat. What about you, Greg? Have you ever had a cat? I hate cats. <laughs> Big guys look stupid. I hate them. <laughs> Guys look stupid. Well, well, Mac, my the only cats I really came in touch with were my grandparents, uh, my grandma and grandfather, and they had two Siamese cats called Anna and King, and they hated my ass the worst. Anna and King, like uh, in the King and I, the, the King and I, yes, 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 and they were really gorgeous cats, but. They did not like me, and so I guess I sent off a bad vibe because I had nothing to do with them. Now, dogs are another story, but cats, no thank you. (laughs) No thank you. Wow. Wow. All right. So we're... People that that have cats are weird. Like, (laughs) overall. Do you think so? Overall. So you're anti-cat? Well, if you think about it, if you think about the stereotypical cat lady. There's no cat man. No. Right? There's no there's no dog man. There's no dog man. A dog man is a like a, a musher, a guy that runs the Iditarod. That's cool. Yeah. Cat man? Cat woman. Cat woman, pretty cool. I'm telling you. Right? No, no. Cat, cat woman's hot. That was Halle Berry. <laughs> cat woman was hot. She's like, she's fire. <laughs> But no cat man. There's no. no dog man either, though. See, there's only it's Batman. Now, Batman's cool. Batman but you never cool. have a pet bat. Bats used to freak me out as a kid. Oh, God. Well, I mean, come on. You know, watching you know, vampire well, movies and was, shit like that. I was 10 years old, Mac, and I was traumatized because <laughs> at 3 in the morning, my door flies open in my room and it's my dad and he's in his underwear and he says, Greg, I need you. I need you. And what, I was like, wait, what? what kind of underwear? Boxers or briefs? <laughs> no, he was a tidy whitey guy. Cause he was oh, a construction guy. What the hell? Oh yeah. My mom, my mom never sprang for the extra colors and shit. It was all white dogs, white marble bags. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh my God, that's oh, yeah. just a horrendous look, too. Oh God, so, isn't it? So he proceeds to he proceeds to bring me. Uh, I go into his room. I I went into his room because there was a bat flying around in the room, and he was he's like he's huge man, but he's like uh, the biggest wuss I've ever seen when it comes to like bats or bees 
or like you you won't even touch a snapping turtle or whatever. So I had to go get a fishing net. What? Wait, wait. wait. Tell everybody how tell everybody how big your dad is. He's like six four, and he was like three hundred pounds. Yeah, he's he's an enormous man. He's yeah, a big he's guy, and he's not. But he's not a fat guy. He's just you know, Greg, oh, no. Greg, and his dad. I mean, they're giant human beings. Okay, they're giant but human very, beings. Very. And your dad's afraid but, so, of small animals. What? A, oh yeah, yeah. He's brutal. That's so, that is that's I, awful. So he went to get his yeah. So ten year old kid. So I, I I didn't like I didn't like bats growing up as a kid. Oh, I didn't either. Well, who does? Nobody, nobody likes bats. I mean, because of the aura of the vampire. The um, was there a, an animal that really? Like, I'm not a snake guy. I've always hated oh. snakes. I hate oh, me snakes. Too. With a passion. I love snakes. <laughs> not me. Yeah, I taught my kids how to catch snakes when they were little. Why don't you walk us through that? How do you catch a snake? Well, just behind the head or whatever. I mean, that's very very easy. You well, distract them a little better. How do you do it, though? So walk us through. Do you use a stick, right? To, no, to my pin, stick, my hand. To pin the head? So if it's a poison, so it's a rattlesnake, this is a good example of why 90% of all snake bites are to the hand. Um, so you, 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 yeah, no shit. It happens all the time with Marines. Like they get, where do you get bit on the hand? And you're like, motherfucker. You know where I live? No, where I live, there is no, no. fucking rattlesnakes because snow covers the ground eight months of the year. There's no rattlesnakes. So this is not a rattlesnake event. No. All right. Non- although, so we're talking non-venomous. I did, I did go to Ohio one time, saw a snake um, next to my uncle's garage. I picked it up and brought it over to him, and his face turned absolutely white. And said, on the, ca- on the count of three, I want you to throw that snake far away from your body. And I said, why? And I said, I got it. It's not going anywhere. And he said, uh, okay. Turns out it was a cotton bone. Whoa. I didn't know because I'd never been south down yeah. south that, that far. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it was a cotton bone. What an idiot, right? <laughs> what yeah. An idiot. Uh, worse than a goddamn <laughs> rattlesnake. Oh, they'll kill you. They'll kill you. Cottonmouth. I've never seen a cottonmouth. Yeah, but I don't. I'm. I. That's that's the animal that I probably um, was most afraid of uh, growing up, and uh, you know, living in part of the country that uh, that you have them. And uh, but the thing that I was most afraid of when I was a kid was um, I was afraid of the Wizard of Oz. I didn't used to watch the movie. When I was young. And my sisters would make fun of me. Like Wizard of Oz would be on. I'm like, yeah, I'm not watching that. And I would, uh, out of my door, out of my bedroom, there would be uh, the neighbors across the fence had a light. And it was a gas light. Right? So it would kind of move and shit. And then when the trees would move, the shadows (laughs) on my wall would. And I was convinced I could see, like, the witch Right and the, those fucking monkeys in the Wizard of Oz. I was convinced yeah, that they with would wings. Be, yeah, those fuckers, <laughs> man. I was convinced that they were looking at my window. Right? Yeah, I did not. I did not care for that. That's what used to scare me the most. Not bats or any other shit. It was Wizard of Oz characters looking in my window when I was a little kid. 
that fucking gas lamp across the fence that the Carrolls had. I lost like 900 baseballs in the Carrolls yard. They wouldn't let me go back there. So, so I, used to, I used to stomp their bushes when they weren't around. So, not they. No evil deed goes unpunished. What about Kim? Anything you were afraid of when you were a little kid? Uh, s- snakes. Didn't like snakes at all. Uh, that would be about it. Greg, what uh, about you? And, and we're growing up in Ohio. There were a lot of garden snakes. Oh, those poor. And then the further south you got, when we went down into Kentucky and Tennessee, then there were the the cotton mouse and uh, in the rivers and stuff. And we'd go swimming in the rivers and say, they'd say, now don't go swimming over there because there's a nest of cotton mouse. Yeah, I didn't. Water, water, uh, water no snakes. Sna- yeah, I didn't stay in the water long. Yeah, water snakes, not so much. What about you, Greg? What were you afraid of as a kid? Ah, uh, shit. <laughs> not not nothing animal wise, really, because we hunt and fished and had my hands in a bunch of shit. But I was always afraid. You'd be amazed that there was this bridge that we had to cross across a river, and for some reason, I had a dream that the I was with my mom and brother and the bridge started crumbling as we were driving across it so every time every time i go across the bridge to go to my aunt's house i'd slink down so i couldn't even visually see out the window (laughs) (laughs) you know it's crazy the things that scare you as a kid you know which was ironic because i went to play in new york and the only way you get anywhere is to go across 18 bridges yeah no kidding yeah that's about it no kidding the uh no but when you're a kid like you know i don't know the things that, the things that scare you like i look back on the wizard of oz and like i'm like what was i thinking yeah what was i thinking but yeah i did not watch the wizard of oz till i was like 17 years old yeah yeah it did not that can you watch it now no no, I you would, won't watch it. I would watch it now. Yeah, but it doesn't bring up any bad memories. Like no. all of a sudden you get to a part, you part, and you're like, you know how you got that ten second fast forward, and you're like, through this. <laughs> those monkeys, those monkeys, man, those monkeys just scare me. But not anymore. Hey, I'm not afraid. The, What's that? Pardon the pun, but that wouldn't fly nowadays. <laughs> you couldn't hook wings onto a monkey and paint it green for the movies. Right. Right, none of that. Oh, God, a bunch great. of that stuff in one of the. But one did of, they did, did they not cast the perfect woman for that witch? Oh man, did which they one? Ever. Which one? The bad like, one. She was the scariest bitch on the planet. <laughs> that pointed you nose. Know? Yeah, and, and when she uh, stuck her fingers tackle. out. Yeah. Can you remember when she? <laughs> you remember oh, when God. she? She took her broom and she put it in the fire, and yeah. then she was threw it at the scarecrow and he lit out. Oh my God. I was like, just petrified. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that boy. Hey Mac, I was going to ask you, what do you Hold think on. about her this name, old Dr. Seuss business? Her name is Margaret Brainerd Hamilton. Oh. There's no way she's alive. She's no, dead. She died in 1985. She's born December oh. 9th, 1902 in Cleveland, died at the age of 83. Um, and uh, let's see. Was she good looking? 
Uh, let me. She looks like. Photos. Yeah, she looks like a. Like she could play a witch. No, she looks like a normal Midwestern girl. Um, really? Let's see. American character actress, best known for her portrayal of the <clears throat> Wicked Witch of the West. Um, yeah. A former school teacher. She worked as a character actress in films for seven years before she was offered the role that defined her public image. In later years, Hamilton made frequent cameo appearances on television sitcoms and in commercial and also gained recognition for her work as an advocate for causes designed to benefit children and animals retained a lifelong commitment to public education as a teacher, as a teacher. Awesome. She was born in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, was it there that she was discovered? How did she get into movies? She made her screen debut in 1933, went on to appear in the movie Saratoga, You Only Live Once, When's Your Birthday, Nothing Sacred, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, My Little Chickadee, The Sin of Harold Diddleback, right? With Harold hey, Lloyd. At least, at- at least she didn't say she got her start as an amateur porn actress. Exactly, or a stripper <laughs> or anything like that. She played opposite Abbott and Costello um, yeah. uh, in a movie called Coming Around the Mountain. Um, she was a big-timer. Right. She was a big-timer. Well, I, did, did she move to California? How does she get in the film business? Because normally people like that, you know, the supporting actress, they'd be found by somebody saying, hey – you know, in, in a local theater or something, hey, we are looking for a character actress. Would you like to um, personalize? She remained a lifelong friend of uh, final years, but it doesn't say where she lived. Hmm. I'm kind of curious about that, how she was discovered. So, anyway, yeah, The Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, one of the great movies of all time, which uh, I didn't particularly care for. Pretty cool. Um, let's see. Here she is. Um, Her early experience as a teacher fueled lifelong interest in education. She served on the Beverly Hills Board of Education from 1948 to 1951 and was a Sunday school teacher in the 1950s. She lived in Manhattan for most of her adult life. In 1979, she was a guest speaker at the University of Connecticut's children's literature class. She later moved to Middlebrook, New York. She subsequently developed Alzheimer's disease and died in her sleep following a heart attack on May 16, 1985 in Salisbury, Connecticut. At the age of 82, her remains were cremated at the Poughkeepsie Rural Cemetery, and her ashes were scattered in Amenia, New York. There you have it. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Wicked Witch of the West, and her name is Margaret Hamilton. So there you have it. You know, I don't know. What do you make about council culture, man? I mean, it's just, I mean... It's, I think it's just crazy stuff, you know? What are you yeah, going to do? It is. You're gonna sure do, is. Erase, erase all your history as a flawed nation? I mean, so, I mean, Lincoln, Washington? Like, like what, are, what are we doing? Please. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hey. Do- Dr. Seuss? I mean, come on. That's actually, like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's, that's what I thought, too. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Right. Right, and Kim's a lefty, right? I mean, he's he thinks oh, it's just give me like, a fucking on. break. Doctor Seuss is the greatest, <laughs> and we still give Doctor Seuss books away <laughs> to little kids, and they Not love anymore. them. No, you know, uh, he lived up the hill. I'm sorry, he lived up the hill in La Jolla, 
from my college roommate's parents. Bill Bavese, who went on to become the GM of the Mariners and the Angels. His dad, Buzzy, carried a machine gun in World War II and grew up in New York City, went to work for the Dodgers. And, uh, God, I had him on after Tommy Lasorda died and telling Tommy Lasorda stories and also talking about his dad's life. And he says, you know, his dad goes to work for the Dodgers when yeah. Branch Rickey sees him on a train or down in Florida, and he was just goofing off, and it, Bill's dad had died. Uh, he was a uh, he owned his own trucking company in New York City and had done well. And so Branch Rickey says, what are you doing? And he's like, uh, he goes, you're going to come to work for me. And, he, and so one of his first jobs is, all right, uh, after the war, is, hey, we're going to start bringing black black players into the Dodger organization, and we've got to have we've got to have teams in the northern tier of the country. So you go up to New England, New Hampshire, blah blah blah, and you go sign us agreements with people. So he tells this story about going to this uh, you know to this town. The Dodgers want to have a farm team here. Oh man! And and so they find an owner, and the the, the editor of the paper wants to be the general manager. And he says, yeah, this is great. But they don't tell him that black players are coming, right? So they make this whole thing. <laughs> right? They, right? There's this big launch and all this you know, big hoopla, right? And then right before the spring, the team leaves spring training, they're like, oh, by the way, yeah, you're going to have black players on this team? I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Right? And then we were talking about the early 50s when, like, that had never happened in the nation's history. No way. Right? And so it was no accident Jackie Robinson starts in Montreal, right? Very much designed to keep him out of the South and, and whatnot. And the Dodgers that's really. Canada, Canada's not racist. That's why he started up there. <laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> it's, less, it's less racist maybe than the American South was. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, we didn't have slavery there, Chief. I know. I know. I know. Huh. I know. The – um. So no, he tells these great stories about, uh, but but his dad becomes Brad Tricky says I'm not going to Los Angeles, so Buzzy becomes the general manager of the Dodgers in Los Angeles in like the late 50s and early 60s when it's just the best, right? The Dodgers they run the, like they run the show out here, and the Rams were around, and uh, so then he becomes part owner of the Padres in 1968, and they move to La Jolla. You know, and so for those of you that have ever been to La Jolla, there's this big mountain called Soledad Mountain, and that's La Jolla is kind of built on that. On the crest of that hill, looking over the ocean, seeing from Mexico to you know to Malibu, his wife Buzzy and his wife Evett buy a home. It's beautiful. Up the hill from them lives Dr. Seuss, whoever the hell that guy was. <laughs> and so Bill would go get books. For his uh, nieces and nephews when they were born, and he'd have Dr. Seuss sign them. And oh, now, great! Yeah. So, and then, and now you come to find out that it's just not everything it was cracked up to be. So, very disappointing. I don't know how it all ends though. When does it stop? Any idea? It'll never stop. Well, the McCarthy thing stopped eventually. You know. Well, hopefully this will stop. Yeah. No, it's just, it's just, well, I, think, I don't know. I, think there's a, I, I can't give you a time, though. There, there's a group that's trying to change the word words breast milk to chest milk to be all, more inclusive. 
There you oh, go. That, please. That way men aren't in, aren't excluded. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but as you see so many, it's just crazy, right? It's just crazy. You see people that get eliminated. I mean, have their jobs taken away. You it's know, so PC it sucks. And then they go back like fifty years. I mean, who was it? Who's the quarterback for uh, the uh, the Arizona Cardinals? He gets drafted. And they go into his Twitter account when he was 17. You know, he badmouthed somebody. And then next, you know, two days later, he's on TV apologizing. Like, are you shitting me? But yeah. That's the way we do it now. Uh, thank God nobody listens to this. Um, so anyway. <laughs> I wish they would. Yeah, no kidding. What? Uh, no, they listen. What? Uh, all right, so what are you doing? Any big plans this weekend? Well, I've got a uh, football game tonight. Oh, that's right. The, the, uh, the Fighting Hawks. Doing really great. Yeah, and Greg's Bison lost. Yeah, how about that? First time. In, <laughs> first time in what, 59 games or something? Yeah, 49. Yeah, 38, 38 yeah. They're beatable this year, the Bison. Uh oh. Well, hey, that's bold talk. We'll see. It. We'll see what happens. Well, well the the team that uh, beat the Bison, we beat them the week before by a bunch. Oh, oh. So I don't. Well, let's get let's get a little update. Greg knows more about this than I do. Well, uh, Greg and, is 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 uh, is Peyton? Is he playing? Does he dress or what's go, what's going on? Is he red shirt? No, he's he's, dress, he's dressing, but you know he's a red shirt freshman, so okay. Yeah, chances of him seeing the field are slim and none. Got it. Got it. Got it. What do you uh, would you like to give an assessment of them as a team? Or being a parent, would you like well, to stay it, away from that? No, I mean I could be unbiased because you know they beat the number twenty-four team in the nation first uh, by I think about eighteen or nineteen, and then uh, they beat the number four team in the nation quite convincingly. So. Yeah, um, they're doing really well, Mac. And then they got another ranked team coming in today. But the thing is, all three of their first three games have been at home. So the true test yeah. of a team is not not till you travel. So that's no no coach alive would say otherwise. Got it. Got it. Got it. I I agree. I agree. Let's well, go. But I I heard uh, that uh, they're a little bit more physical this year than they've ever been. Who? The Sioux. The Hawks. The Fighting Hawks. The Sioux. The University of North Dakota. The Fighting yeah. the Fighting Hawks. Um, fighting Sioux. <laughs> fighting Sioux. So, Thank you, Greg. No, hey, that, we, trust me, we, for those of you who don't know, there was a nickname controversy, um, and the University of North Dakota had been the Fighting Sioux for years, and uh, people over the years, uh, bang the drum long and hard. That was a, the name was hostile and abusive, and the name was retired. How many years ago now? Not uh, too many years ago, and uh, a bunch of white shirts in Indianapolis decided that. How? But white, how many? How many? White how, guys in white shirts. How many years ago was that? Oh, it's got to be uh, over twelve. Wow, that long. I'm not that. That long ago? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I imagine it is. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's at least 10. 
Wow, that's yeah. amazing. That that's that, yeah, that happened that long ago. 10. That happened that long ago. Uh, I got an email from last week. Uh, it's a food question. Mac, I would like to hear an answer to this. What is your go-to fast food? Oh, interesting. You guys are both food guys. Your go-to fast food place is, Kim? Oh, it would uh, have to be uh, Jersey Mike's. Subs? A sub above? Yeah, I love I love their subs. Because yeah, you that? can get Capricola and prosciutini, prosciutini and uh, salami. You can get nice Italian subs there. Very good. Very good. Gregory, how about you? Your uh, your go-to fast food is? Oh, God. Uh, you know what? I'm a guy that gets cravings, so I could bounce from five guys to um, Chick-fil-A. You know, um, those are kind of like, uh, but I, I, I enjoy a good sandwich. We have no good delis, but... I consider that fast food if we had that kind of shit like that. But I, I do like a, ba, um, a bowl of pho from uh, from town here, from King Pho. That's fast that's and that's great. damn good. You yeah, turned me on to that, Greg, and it was the best I've ever had. I'm, a, uh, I'm sure yeah. you've had better, but I, I, I'd i never had it before, and I thought it was to die for. I'm a Chick-fil-A guy. Mac, they, I'm a Chick-fil-A they, guy. Uh, they they lost the nickname in at the end of 2012, so it's almost 10 years. This is coming up here. Wow. Yeah, th- they didn't have the guts to do it while I was still there. They had to wait till I left, and then they got that thing done. That's the way that thing. <laughs> that's the way that thing worked. The um, okay. So uh, Jersey Mike, what's your uh, yeah. w- what's your order, Kim? Do you get the same thing all the time? Uh, I usually get a provolone, uh, turkey, uh, uh, capricola, uh, prosciutto and salami. Then I get uh, extra, extra onions, lettuce, the oil and vinegar, and the Italian seasoning. And they have this uh, kind of hot uh, pepper spread, red pepper spread that they put on the top. It's just killer. I can't eat them too often because of the sodium in that that meat. But uh, I I uh, I I love fast food. I I just I can't eat it because I, I just can't put that in me. Got it. Got it. Greg, what's your uh, what's your go to order? Um, if I'm going to um, to Five Guys. I got to get the double yeah. double cheeseburger with triple bacon uh, along with mustard, relish, heavy onion, uh, pickle, <laughs> fried mushrooms, and jalapenos. Beautiful. Whoa. My wife would be all over that one. <laughs> oh, my I'd God. Guarantee it. The oh, only problem with that burger is you can't put it down once you put it in your hand. No. How, do you, how do you get that thing in your mouth, man? No, that's not the problem with my app. But, <laughs> um, but you just can't put it down because it slides all over the place. The, 
Greg's got the great white shark draws. I, my, my order, in fact, Colleen and I just went last night. I get like four chicken strips and uh, Chick-fil-A sauce and those, uh, order those fries they have, those like horizontal cut fries. And let me tell you this. Fries. Yeah, the waffle yeah. fries. Chick-fil-A has the best soft ice cream in the world. No kidding. Oh, my God. It's the best. <clears throat> Absolutely wow. best. I used to be a fan of McDonald's soft ice cream. It's garbage. Yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you're a fan of McDonald's uh, soft ice cream, go to Chick-fil-A. You'll you're prepared to faint. That's how good it is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I, I'll, I, get, I, a, I'll get a cup of that, and I, uh, I put a little ch- Hershey's chocolate syrup on it. And then uh, Jack and Joe wait for me to finish it, and then I give them the residual around the edge of the cup. Right, <laughs> but there is not much of that. They have to work, so yeah. You, you gotta see. Right. You gotta see that my dad eat ice cream because he's got false teeth. So we live like two miles or two and a half miles from a Dairy Queen, right? And he'll yeah. when when we all go for ice cream, like with the kids and him, um, when he was here and he lived here, he would get. A large chocolate shake, double caramel, and then uh, some form of ice cream in a cup, usually a large sundae, like extra caramel. And without a doubt, at least the sundae and half the shake would be gone in two miles. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a serious <laughs> lust. <laughs> oh, my God. Come on, ice cream. The kids... The kids still talk about it. Ice cream is the best. Come on. How could you not? I mean, yeah, and Dairy, Dairy Queen makes some great, great stuff. There's no, there's, how do you not, like, just devour that stuff? Would you take a little, like, little bites? Like, pff, come on, man. You shovel that shit in as fast as you can get it in your yap. Yep, that's right. So, we yeah. we used to go to this uh, place in Florence called Vivoli's. They'd made this gelato. And you go in there, and it depends on the size of the cup. And they have these flat scoops that they you could get up to about ten different scoops if if the cup was big enough. And uh, and we get something like that. Oh my God, fresh fig ice cream? Are you kidding me? Melon ice cream? <laughs> it's just great stuff. Yeah. No. No. Let me tell you. I mean, come on. That stuff is the best. That yeah, stuff ice is cream best. is the best. Yeah, come on, ice cream. Mac, I got, I got to head out. All right, we're done. All right, boys. First of all, no, I, thank you, no, Thanks, very much. Thank you for waiting. No, 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 no. no. We'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right, Greg. See you. Looking all forward right, take to care, it. Bye, boy. Greg. All right, bye bye. See you, Kimmy. Have a great one. You too. Bye bye. There you have it. That'll do it on a Friday. Yikes. Have a great weekend. And again, as always, don't be afraid to change somebody's life. Um, You won't have to look hard, I promise you. So uh, a lot of people in tough places. So um, just keep your ears open and don't be afraid to stick your hand out and help. So uh, on this Friday, the 5th day of March, have a great weekend. I'll see you on Monday. I'm out.